today I want to talk to you about infinitely more power. In the first service or in the first message, we talked about infinitely more, but today we want to talk about more power. And if you'll look in your Bibles this morning in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, or if you want to follow along in the outline, and if you're watching online, you can uh, read right along with us as well. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, when I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your hearts will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience, and I want that to happen for you, may experience the love of Christ that is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God. And this is what we've been memorizing this week, and I hope you'll memorize by the end of this, this series of messages. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You know, the COVID crisis has caused us all to go back and revisit what are our lives all about. It's caused us to all go back and revisit what our families are about, what our church is about, what our community is about. In the situations and the occasions when I've had opportunity to speak in our community, I've even asked that question, who are we as a community? Who are we as a church? Who are we as Woodhaven or Brownstown or Flat Rock? Who are we as Downriver? Why has God put us here at such a time as this? But anytime we do that, we have to go back to the very beginning. If we want to understand who we are and what we're all about, then we, we have to go back to the very beginning. In the 60s and the 70s, we were asking these kind of questions, very deep, soul-searching questions. And one of the driving questions was, who am I? And I remember sitting at the dinner table with our family one night back in the late 60s, and I said to my dad, I said, I really need to find myself. I need to find out who I am. And my dad just simply looked up from his dinner and looked right across the table at me, and he says, fella, if you ever forget who you are, I'll remind you. Dad had a really cool way to remind you to remember who you are and what you're all about. But for us to go back and remember who we are, we have to go back to God. We have to go back to the very beginning. One of the things that we looked at last week in the message was there's really nothing we can control in life. Our technology has deceived us into thinking because of our time apps, of our calendar apps, our email, our instant communication, our smartphones, our smart watches, our smart houses, you know, that we're in control of our lives. Matter of fact, I have been really focusing upon the advertisements and the commercials that I'm reading or seeing that are saying, regain control of your life, get control of your finances, get control of this, get control of that. And if we learned anything last week, there's really nothing we can control. God is in control of all things. And our job and our calling in life is to submit to His plan. But as we do, we realize we live daily upon dependent upon the love of God shown to us in Christ. And God's love for us is frankly overwhelming. 
And as I talk to you about power this morning, I want to bring you not to thinking about power in the way that perhaps you're used to thinking about it, but I want to bring you back to the power of the cross. A few years ago, I was invited to come speak to a group of pastors, very educated men, men with many more far advanced degrees than what I have, have. And they said to me, you know, we want you to talk to us because they came from a tradition where, you know, they were taught that signs and wonders and miracles no longer happened, that God didn't do that anymore. And of course, they knew my story and I was able to share with them how God had healed me and what God had done in my life. And and during the time of sharing and the questioning, I just remember reminding them, I said, you know, I think what you have to understand is this. Our focus as people who believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and that God's power has not changed, is not that we focus upon signs and wonders and miracles. We focus upon the cross of Jesus Christ. We focus upon the gospel. Our focus has never been to be upon signs and wonders. Our focus has never been to be on miracles or healing or any of the spectacular gifts that the Bible talks about. I says we're called to preach the cross. Never underestimate the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. Never underestimate the power of the gospel at work in your lives. But for that to happen, as we looked at last week, we have to surrender to him. We have to fall to our knees And if you remember, Paul says, when I think of all of this, what's he thinking about? He's thinking about, as you read Ephesians, he's thinking about how God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins. He's thinking about how Christ came and how God raised him up again on the third day. So God is glorified by our surrendered lives. I read a story, an impactful story to me, one that I have kept of a woman who grew up in very poor circumstances and she married a very well-to-do individual. And she went from living on the poorest side of town, true story, very poorest side of town to one of the wealthier sides of town. Suddenly her life changed because of who she'd married. Her affluent situation was something she became accustomed to and used to. And then one day as a young wife and a young mother, She became very ill and couldn't hardly move. She was admitted into the hospital, could barely lift her head off the pillow. And after the tests were done, her doctors came into her and said to her, we don't know what's happened. We don't know why, but your liver has stopped working. And immediately fear seized her heart. And she said to her doctor, she says, am I dying? And they said to her, we we don't know yet. We've got to run some more tests. And after the doctors left, she writes in her own testimony, in her own story of how bitter she was and how angry she was and how angry at God she was. And she managed to get out of bed and feel her way down the halls until she got to the hospital chapel. And she was going into the chapel, as she said, to tell God, you're a shyster, you've been passing yourself off as a loving God for 2,000 years, but when I get happy, you pull the rug out from underneath me. And moving down the center aisle of that hospital chapel to go and tell God off, she passed out. And when she woke up in the hospital chapel, she looked up at the first step leading to the platform. And there stenciled on that first step was, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And she said suddenly she began to cry and she began to weep knowing why she had come to the chapel. But suddenly the first word she saw in regaining consciousness 
was a call to repent as she began to cry out, Lord, be merciful to me. Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. And she eventually made her way back to her hospital bed. But she says, the peace of God just began to come into my heart and rule my heart. And the next day, when the doctors ran the test, they came into her room and they said, we don't know how to explain it, but your liver is working again. She made a complete recovery. And she says, I know exactly how to explain it. It's because I humbled myself and said, God, I surrender to you. And I'm reading to you from her words. It's about surrender. It's about bringing us to that moment where we surrender everything to God. It's not about grasping for power. It's yielding to the plan and the will of God for our lives. And that's what Paul was thinking about when he wrote this. You see, at the bottom of every changed life, at the bottom of every powerful life, is a heart that is truly surrendered to Christ. Verse 17 says, Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. You see, to trust in God is to surrender to God. To trust in God is to yield to God. To trust in God is to pray to God. To trust in God is to rely upon God. When you surrender to God, you're asking God to have his will in your life. Listen to Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. Give yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and surrender your whole being to be used for righteous purposes. Friends, I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes the power of God for me to surrender my will. Any of you have any strong-willed children? You know what I'm talking about. Were any of you a strong-willed child? You're the ones I'm talking to. <laughs> you see, we understand that, that, that need to surrender. And Christ makes his home in the hearts of people, not who are proud and cocky and arrogant, but people who surrender to him. You know, where do you find that power? Do you ever feel like Captain Kirk and, you know, if you're too young, you're not going to remember this, but those of you that are my age, you remember the scenes where Captain Kirk would be in his captain's chair in the Enterprise and suddenly the ship would be shaking from the missiles and the attacks and he would yell down to Scotty, Scotty, I need more power. And Scotty would yell back up to him, I've given her everything she's got, Captain. You know, there are those times in my life when I need the power of God. And I'm saying, Lord, give me more power to trust you. Lord, give me power to step out in faith. Give me power not to lean into my own understanding, but in all my ways to trust and acknowledge you. Because, friends, there is nothing impossible to the people who trust God. Go back to the very beginning. God spoke and the galaxies were created. Go back to the very beginning. God calls a nation out by the name of Israel. And he speaks and the waters part and Israel crosses the Red Sea on dry ground. Go back to the very beginning where David defeats Goliath. Go back to where Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. You go back to the very beginning where Jesus heals the lame, where Jesus raises the dead. Go back to the very beginning where Jesus can speak to water and somehow or another the molecular structure of water changes into the best wine available where he speaks to a blind man and suddenly synapses are created in the brain and optical nerves are connected and created in the eye and the blind man can see I'm telling you nothing is impossible with God it may be impossible with man and I have been confronted with a lot of impossibilities this week but what Paul says 
is this same power is at work in you. Look at your neighbor this morning and say, this same power is at work in your life this morning. This same power is at work in you. Now, let me ask you a question. I didn't get to ask the first service this question because we're a little pushed for time in the first service. But if you could have any superpower you wanted, what would it be? Now, get that in mind. Any superpower you wanted. You know, they did a survey of Americans, and this was on USA Today and their little Snapchats they have. The top single superpower that people would like to have, adults would like to have, is the ability to read minds. Anybody here think about that? You'd like to be able to read minds? You see, you scare me. I don't want anybody reading my mind. <laughs> you know? The next one was to be invisible. Anybody think about that? You wanted to be invisible? Can you, oh, that's scary. You scare me too. And they're all women that are raising their hands today. You know, imagine somebody slipping into your house. Imagine somebody, you're not being able to see them. That's a frightening thing. Ira Glass did a follow-up on This American Life on NPR. He did a follow-up, and he's talking about all the superpowers that Americans would like to have. He said people who want to turn invisible, they, sneak in, they said they want to sneak into movies. They want to sneak into, onto airplanes. One lady says, I want to sneak in and get every cashmere sweater that I've ever worn from the department stores. You know, have, I stop and I think, God, do you know what kind of people you're trusting power to? I mean... Ira Glass, I'm reading it to you right now. Ira Glass says, here's the one thing that pretty much no one ever says, I will use my superpower to fight crime. You saw, so when we watch Spider-Man or we watch the Avengers or we watch Superman, none of these superpowers that Americans want, they're for the, none of them are wanting it for the good of other people. They're wanting it for what they want to do in life. So I asked myself the question, I said, God, if you're going to entrust people with power, do you know who you're trusting that power to? And it's the reason you hear me say so often, God is looking for men and women that will give him the glory and give him the honor. Our text says, and let me just say it, and then I want you to repeat it after me, his mighty power is at work within us. The same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Would you say that with me? His mighty power is at work within us. Say it again. His mighty power is at work in you this morning, friend. His mighty power. You see, God is glorified through our empowered lives. God is glorified when you and I aren't living weak and helpless lives, but we're living powerful lives. God is most glorified when we live surrendered lives to Him because when we live surrendered to Him, God's power can flow through us. God has not called us to be spectators on this planet. God has called us to be participators. God has called us to participate in His plan. Imagine this. You and I get the opportunity to, to work and to bring about God's healing, God's restoration, God's wholeness, God's peace, God's reconciliation. We get to participate in the plan of God. The Bible says that one day God will make all things new. And you and I are a part of that plan today. John Stott, who wrote the wonderful book, The Living Church. Let me read to you what John said. And this is in your, out, actually it's in your growth work. You can look at it later. For the church lies at the very center of the eternal purpose of God. It's not a divine afterthought. It's not an accident of history. On the contrary, the church is God's new community. Now listen. For his purpose, whose purpose? God's. is not just to save isolated individuals. 
God is not wanting just to save you and just to save me, but God calls us and he builds a church. He calls us out of the world a people for his own glory. You see, if God can trust us with his glory, God can get anything done through us. Next week, Pastor Corey is going to talk to you about living for the glory of God. Next week, Pastor Corey is going to talk to you about the glory of God among us and what happens when that takes place. But I want you to hear what Pastor Stott was saying. His purpose, God calls us out, and it takes the power of God to live together. Couples come to me, and they want to get married. I have done, I've probably done a thousand weddings over the years. I have done so, and I've enjoyed doing every single one of them. But I always tell them the same thing. And if I've done your wedding, you know I've told you this. It takes the power of God to live together for a long time. It takes a surrendered life. It's not just a matter of, of one person submitting. It's both people submitting. You know, two happy people make a happy marriage. And happiness is decided between you and God. You take a happy person and a sad person, you're going to have a sad marriage. You take two sad people in a marriage, you're going to have a terrible marriage. You see, you've got to surrender to God and find the joy of your Lord is your strength. But you take that idea, that concept of marriage, it takes the power of God for a church to live out its purpose in a community. It takes the power of God for us to live as one body in Christ with one vision and one mission. It's why we've been reexamining during this COVID crisis, who are we as a church? How does he do this? Verse 20, God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. It's not that Woodland is able. It's not that I am able. It's God's mighty power at work within us. I was out doing my prayer walk one morning this week. And as I was praying and thinking, I mentioned this song to you last week, but I just began to sing it out loud in our subdivision as I was walking and praying. A little song that I'd learned when I was a child. He's able. I know he's able. I know he's able to carry me through. Friends, I want you to know the people of God are the kind of people that when we see a mountain, we know God is going to give us the power to go over it or to go through it. We know that when we see a mountain, that God is going to give us the power, if we can't go over it, to go through it, to go around it. And we know if God is not going to take us over it, through us, or around it, we know that God is going to cast that mountain in the deepest sea because nothing is impossible with God. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? Nothing is impossible with God. Those of you that have ever been on a missions trip, you know what happens on a missions trip. You have to depend upon the power of God. Years ago, I took with me to Argentina the wife and the daughter of the Brazilian ambassador from Brazil to the United States. I took them on a missions trip with us. And you probably know, if you don't know, there's some animosity between the Argentines and the Brazilians, and you can't miss them as Brazilian when they're speaking in Argentina because of the Portuguese accent and the way they speak Spanish when they speak Spanish. But we saw so much hostility demonstrated towards this precious woman and this precious teenage girl. We saw hostility, mockery. I was amazed at how well the daughter handled it. The mother had a really difficult time with it because she wasn't used to being treated that way. Her husband was a man of influence. Her family was a man of influence. They were people of affluence. 
She wasn't being used to treated and being treated the way she was disrespectfully and mocked. And I remember one night where Becky and I are talking with her and she's in tears and she's taking this personally. And I remember I looked at her and I called her by name. I says, you are not going to make it on this trip if you lean into your own power here. This is not about you. Their mockery is not about you. This is about the gospel. This is about Jesus Christ. You have to lean into the power of the cross. You have to surrender to what God is doing and as we knelt and we prayed together in a hotel room in Badalochi, Argentina, God changed her heart, God touched her heart and she suddenly was been able to love the people who were mocking her and abusing her and share her story of faith. Just a couple of weeks ago, Mary Hoskins, as you know, her husband has been going through a terrible health crisis. He has now been unresponsive for almost four months and we've been walking with Mary through this time, but Mary leads our Bread of Life ministry to the inner city poor. And Mary was concerned during this time because they were all scattered, but Mary managed to find those homeless people that we minister to and to share food with them and to share hope with them. Where do people in the midst of their own personal crisis find the strength? It's because they refuse to feel sorry for themselves. It's because they refuse to think it's all about me. They yield to the power of God and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they go out and they serve others and they do what we think is impossible because all things are possible with God. There is infinitely more power available to people who will let God use them. You say, Pastor, why did this ambassador's wife, why does Mary, why do they do this? Because they're compelled by love. You see, God is most glorified when you and I are compelled by love, not duty. I hope you came to church this morning because you love Jesus. I mean, you need to come. It's a witness to our community. It's a witness to your family. Those of you raising children, the day will come where you'll be so glad you had them in children's ministries and you had family devotions. You will sit back with pride, with gray hair in your head like I do. Becky has no gray hair. And you'll sit back in pride and you'll look at your grandchildren and you'll look at your children praying with their kids. And by the way, Chris and Rachel are going to have a baby. Did I tell you all that? Chris and Rachel are going to have a baby. Let me tell you one more time. Chris and Rachel are going to have a baby. Another branch is being fruitful. (laughs) Chris and Rachel are going to have a baby, as I was saying, and we're going to be grandparents again, four grandchildren. And you look back and you're just so thrilled that you raise those children to love God and you see your kids praying, you see your grandchildren praying, you see your grandson calling you up on Skype and saying, Papa, read me a Bible story. You see... When you're compelled by love and not by duty, everything is possible. Tom Terrence, and you may not know that name or you may, but Tom Terrence was from Mobile, Alabama. He was a white supremacist. He's a story that we need to hear now. Tom Terrence went to prison, sentenced for 35 years for bombing a Jewish family's home. Tom hated everybody that wasn't white. Didn't matter if they were Asian, didn't matter if they were Hispanic or black, he hated them. Tom was a member of a Protestant evangelical church and somehow or another he thought that this was what God wanted him to do and this is what he was supposed to be. 
when he went to prison. He was reading his Bible, still trying to justify his white supremacist views when he read the words of Jesus, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his own soul? And suddenly the Holy Spirit in Tom's prison cell just crushed him, convicted him. And Tom fell to his knees in the prison cell and called out to God to have mercy upon him. The beautiful part of this story, though, is the black Christian friends in prison who befriended him, those black men who discipled him. The beauty of this is the chaplain in the prison that began to pray for Tom and work with Tom. The beauty of this is as Tom's life changed, it was obvious he'd become a new creation in Christ. The beauty of it is a Jewish attorney took up his case pro bono and argued for Tom to get an early release. The beauty of this is that God called Tom into the full-time ministry. The beauty of this is Tom began working for reconciliation. The beauty of this is with, Tom, with John Perkins. If you don't know John Perkins, I've recommended his books before. A black pastor and a black author, wonderful man of God in Mississippi. John co-wrote a book with John Perkins. I I want to tell you, you see, when your life is compelled by love, your prejudice drops aside, all of the hatred falls out of your heart, God enables you to love those that you didn't think you could love. But the beauty is not what God did in Tom. The beauty was the love God showed to Tom through those black people and those Jewish people that loved Tom to faith. Can we give him a hand of praise for that? God is so amazingly good. You see what I have discovered there's always a former someone in your story. There's always a former someone. There's so many people, John King, Eugenia King, Cortez Frazier. There's so many people, Tommy Hudgens, Steve Strange. There's so many former people that you never hear about that you can call out their names that are part of your faith story. They loved you when you were unlovable. They loved you when there was no, nothing in it for them. You see, the power of signs and wonders doesn't come from gloating and putting up a sign, come and see signs and wonders. The power comes when we lean into the power of the preaching of the cross of Jesus Christ. The Bible says signs and wonders will follow those kind of people who want to see God glorified. So verse 19 says, may you experience the love of Christ. Now remember, he says, when I think about all this, what's he thinking about? He's thinking about what Christ did. May you experience the love of Christ, so it's too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete. How many of you would like to be a complete man or a complete woman? Think about that. A complete man. Complete woman. A total man, a total woman. Fullness. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Family, God's challenging us to think bigger today. 
What if we could reach twice as many people? What if we could support twice as many missionaries? What if we could have twice as many small groups meeting around our community? What if twice as many people gave their heart to Jesus during this time? You see, I am fully persuaded. This was a difficult week, but come Saturday, I was so tired of this. I was out praying and seeking God because there was one a crisis after another coming up with different folks in our community. I got down on my knees and I give again one more time seeking the Lord and suddenly this thought seized me. 2020 has been a difficult year, but we're going to finish the year in victory. Can you say amen this morning? We're going to finish this year in victory because of the power of God. You see, God's power, God's capacity it far exceeds my ability to give. Remember we said three things we could give last week. We can give our time, the breadth, and the breadth of our life. We can give our treasure, that's our money, our tithes, and our offerings. We can give our, our, our abilities, our, our talents, our capabilities, and our abilities. God's capacity far exceeds my ability to give of time, talent, or treasure if I will simply lean in to the cross you say, Pastor, how does that happen? It only happens when God can trust his power to people with pure hearts. God entrusts his power to people with pure hearts. You see, it's not about Woodland's name. It's not about your name or my name. It's about the glory of God. And that's why you don't want to miss next week's message when Pastor Corey preaches. You see, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else. Listen to me. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. How? Above all else. You're probably watching over your finances right now real close during this COVID crisis. As a matter of fact, I bet I could look at some of you and you could tell me what your 401k has lost or what your 401k has gained. As a matter of fact, I bet you could tell me right now about your career, your job. You're watching over things that are important. You've got cameras on your house to guard against people from breaking in. You've got alarms on your house to guard. As a matter of fact, you are real careful to guard your stuff in life. But God says above everything else, guard your heart. Because if we can keep our hearts pure, God can trust us with his unlimited power. You say, Pastor, what's possible then? Well, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 7, after the disciples had prayed for a lame man and they were healed, the leaders were so furious they asked a question, by what power or by what name have you done this? <laughs> you see, nothing is impossible to people who will give all the glory to God. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together this morning. And I want you to know, God, God's the host at this dinner. And I need somebody to bring me communion, if you would. God is the host for this dinner. Jesus invites, this is his table, it's not my table. Jesus invites us to his table. And this little cup, the bread, it represents his body. The cup represents his blood. Thank you, Pastor Corey. And Jesus is the one that invites you to come. I want you to remember that 
when we take this bread in just a few moments together, this bread represents his body. Jesus, Jesus, he said, Father, if there's any way possible, look at this cup. He said, let this pass away from me. If there's any way possible, you see, if God won't take you over the mountain, if God won't take you through the mountain, if God won't take you around the mountain, God will toss the mountain into the sea. And it may look like on the first day and on the second day, all hope is gone. But on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead. It may look like your liver no longer works. You pass out full of anger at God. But there in God's presence, when you say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, and you go back to your bed, the doctors come back, and how many times have I heard this? We don't understand it. But your liver's working again. You see, this cup, Jesus' sacrifice made it all possible. And if you can believe the gospel, if you can believe that God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, if you would believe on him, you would not perish, but have everlasting life, then I'm telling you, nothing will be impossible to you. Our pastors are going to come, and they're going to lead us in prayer. But would you stand with me this morning? Jesus, in just a few moments, we're going to take this cup and this bread together. And I pray with those who are watching online right now, or maybe anybody here in this service, they've never surrendered their life to you. God, there's infinitely more love. There's infinitely more power for living than what they've ever dreamed. And I'm asking you that you would give them the faith right now to trust you, to believe in you, and to give their life to you. While you're still praying, if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is a good time to do this right now. As a matter of fact, you may be wondering why you even watched this today. Somebody sent me an email from another part of the country and says, I was one of those just wondering why I was watching. Somebody sent me an email from the East Coast and said, I didn't even mean to, to get on. You're not here by an accident. God wants to touch your heart, and He wants to save you. And He does that but when we surrender our lives to him and say, Jesus, would you come into my heart? So if you're ready to do that or if you're in the service today and you're ready to do that, pray this prayer with me. Just pray it right after me. Say, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your amazing love and for your grace. I know I don't deserve what you did for me at Calvary, but as much as I know how, I surrender my life to you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and make me a brand new person. 
Amen. And if you did that, God forgave you of all your sins. You belong to him. And the Bible says that even the angels in heaven are rejoicing with you right now. Now, I know you may not have communion, but you just hang in right here with us. We're going to take communion together. And next week, I want you to join me right back here online, and we're going to take communion together then next Sunday as well. But we're going to pray over this, and this bread represents Christ's body, and the cup represents his blood. Jesus gave that to us. And so you join with us here as our pastors come to pray. Lord, this morning we, we come, Lord, with thanksgiving in our hearts. Lord, as this bread that we hold in our hands represents your body that was given in love. Your body, the Heavenly Father, that we share this morning for our healing. The beating that you took, the stripes on your back, Lord, was for each and every one of us. Those that are listening online this morning, those that are watching, Lord, everyone here today, it was for each and every one of us. Just not a few, just not a select one or two, but for all of us. So, Lord, this morning we thank you for this love that was poured out, that was given, the pain that you suffered, that we would be free and that we would be healed. We pray for those, Lord, this morning that can't pray for themselves. Those, Lord, the Heavenly Father, that need that healing right now. We ask the Heavenly Father, meet us where we're at. Heal us, we ask in your precious and holy name. Amen. Shall we partake together? Father, as we hold this cup in our hands, we're reminded of what it represents. Your life given for us. How you sacrificed your life upon that cross and shed your blood so that we can be forgiven. God, this morning as we hold this cup in our hands, we say thank you. Thank you for that love that you have for us that never ends. It is always reaching out to us. Thank you for the love that sent your son to die on a cross, to do something that we couldn't do ourselves, to forgive us of our sin, our mistakes, and to reconcile us back to you. And so God, this morning, God, we just say we love you. Thank you. Thank you for forgiving us. For your word says without the shedding of blood, there could be no forgiveness. And it took you and that sacrifice upon the cross so that we could be forgiven. And this morning we say we love you. Let's drink together. Father, we do say thank you. Thank you for that love that sent Jesus to a cross. Thank you for bringing us back into your family. 
Thank you for forgiving us of all our sins. Thank you for restoring a relationship. And God, we do thank you that one day you are coming back for us, where we get to spend all eternity in your presence. And so God, I pray right now for each and every one of us here. God, may you continue to do the work in our lives. Draw us, continue into your presence and change us into your image that you have for us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, we are so thankful that you've joined with us today. And if you prayed that prayer with Pastor today and crossed that line of faith and committed your life to Christ, we have a little book for you that we love to give to you. And so if you're watching today, you can either write a comment right now and just let us know that you've prayed that prayer or email us at office at woodland.church and let us know you prayed that prayer and we'll get your information and we'll send this book to you. It's going to help you in your next steps in your faith journey. And if you prayed that prayer and you're here today, please stop by one of our tents here and, and uh, just say, hey, can I have that book? And we'd be glad to give it to you as well. All right. Now, also, don't forget to give today. We have ushers here at these tents here that as you're leaving, drop off your offering. Drop off those communication cards as well, all right? Thank you. God bless. Have a great week.